Hey. Hello. Ho. They say he's got to go. Who's got to go? Go, go, Godzilla. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait, is that an actual song? Okay, time out. Pause the podcast. Okay, I'm trying not to swear at you right now. No, that's that's just how the song starts. It's the blue. O- it's Godzilla by the Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, it's a great song by the Blue Oyster Cult. They played it in the last Godzilla movie. I have no recollection of this. It's in the tra- it's in the credits. I think they even played it at one point in the in the movie itself when people are like super stoked on Godzilla. I have seen a fair amount of Godzilla movies, and I don't think I've ever heard this song. But I do love the Blue Oyster Cult, aka I do love Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes, this is up there from one of my favorite songs from them. How how deep is that list? Not that deep. <laughs> I enjoy them. I just they're never like a. Uh, they're always the band that comes on when it's like a Spotify curated playlist of something when it's like seven songs deep and I'm liking the playlist. Yeah. That's when like the Blue Oyster Cult shows up and I'm always doing something else. So I never check the name of the song, but I like their songs. All right. Well, this is not a Blue Oyster Cult podcast, Don. This is a Pokemon podcast. It is not. <laughs> so welcome everyone to another episode of Poke Science with Don and Chris here as usual. And we're doing a themed episode, a timely themed episode this week and we figured with the pending release of the new godzilla vs kong movie which i think comes out march 25th so about two weeks straight to hbo max because we're still in a pandemic and don and i are lovers of film and godzilla falls into the kaiju genre of film i do extra love big monster films oh yeah it's great especially big monsters fighting each other but the the fingerprints of the genre are throughout quite a few of the Pokemon in the game. So absolutely. So let's just jump right in. All right, Don, this is becoming a weekly thing in the science news, but tell me what previously thought extinct animal is now. Hey, last time uh, I think it was, a, we found the new one. Okay. Oh, you're right. We found a new one. Okay. That's All right, already Don. endangered, but we yeah. found it. <laughs> All right, Don. Well, please, you told me we have found an animal that we thought was previously extinct and apparently is not. Yes. So um, it's actually very nice. So a lot of the times, and this is not to disparage the birds of the world, but a lot of the times when we hear about a bird being refound, it's always like three inches tall and just like super nondescript and just not like you see that bird like, yeah, I could see that bird every day and not know it was a special bird. This bird's kind of cool looking, um, even though its name is very disrespectful. Uh, what's the name? It is the the black-browed babbler. Didn't do it any favors with that name. No, but I think he's a. It's a nice-looking bird. It's um got some nice oh, yeah. color. It's got red eyes. It's kind of got a nice little little black piece of war paint going on its face. At least the photo I found, it looks real angry. Is it the one where a guy's holding it by its feet and it looks very indignant? Uh, no, not this one. Is that's oh. on a tree? Oh, this one's like I was like like I think it's this is the one that they must have found recently. Looks like they found it recently and they caught it and they, they're like the whole they're holding it to show the for the picture and it seems angry. But um so this bird was last um uh captured by a naturalist back in um somewhere eighteen forty three, eighteen forty eight, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um and that finding was the one and only evidence of the bird's existence um for the next hundred and seventy years and it was believed to be extinct in that time. So I guess the de- they had a dead one that was in storage in the Netherlands that whole long time. Um, and then they, a team recently caught this bird in Borneo and released it. 
and sent a picture to some guys and they found matched it to the one that was in the lab. Okay, so they did have they did have a a, a body before because I, I we had I like a body to, I thought it was like, we had a body that was like you know uh, preserved from 170 years ago. Yeah, I, well, I thought I thought the initial thing was like, guys, I found this new bird. Here's oh, I got just said he saw it and then no, no describe it described in like the scientific sense where it gets a scientific name, not described yeah. in the like dude. It's about four inches tall. It's kind of brown. Yeah, like not like okay. that. Okay, okay. Uh, well, that's really, isn't that. Also, what happened kind of like the coelacanth? Yes, we thought the coelacanth was that we thought was dead for like millions of years. We thought it was a prehistoric mm-hmm. fish that had no modern. And that was this one. I don't like, I remember right. Part of the coelacanth story was they were at um the researcher that refound it or refound like another one was at a fish market in the area. Mm-hmm. And it was just out for sale. And they asked some local guys and they're like, yeah, we um we catch those sometimes when we fish deep. They're not very great to eat. So we just ignore them. And now you can find them at Animal Crossing. Yes, you can. There's there's actually a really cool – it was on a Netflix documentary with these guys. They actually went to um, – and scuba dove with the coelacanths at like 480 feet where you only have like three minutes of air to breathe at that depth on compressed mm-hmm. air. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very interesting fish, very interesting bird. So um, with I, this bird, you said they only found one? Yes, Um so they are making updates to delist it. At, we can assume all so too with Corona and everything in the world. Um, travel stuff for expeditions has been kind of slowed down, as you would imagine. People going to other places to look for stuff, poking around, um, is kind of discouraged right now. But so we'd imagine the fact that they found one. There's probably more. I, I'm maybe there's like nocturnal. It's kind of got those. It looks like it has kind of big eyes. So that's my going to be my guess. Maybe it's like a weird nocturnal thing it does. Or it's just in a very like non um very remote part of it was found in Borneo. I know there's some pretty thick thick jungle action there. So maybe it's just deep in there. Not a lot of people around. Well, now that so, they know to look for it, maybe we can find some more and get a better idea of how how many there there are in the world. Yeah, that would be great. Have an idea of. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's just a whole pile of them out there, and they're yeah. doing doing great. And if they do need help, maybe we're now we found them with enough time to help them out. Maybe we can give it a less terrible name. I think the name's set. You think so? I mean, it's been around for 170 years, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess Carl Schwanner, um, the original finder, really did not like this bird. I mean, we already talked. We've already talked about how the the pressure of naming things. So maybe he just punted it. <laughs> yeah. But well, that's the the science news. Let's slide right into the Pokemon news so we can get into the episode. But there's a, a couple couple quick quick updates uh, and a couple big ones. So we'll do the, the quick ones first. Um, yes. In Pokemon Go, the Theron forms of the Weather Trio are coming to the game. Uh, I think Thunderous is going to be first, I think. But I'm excited to I, get I, I know Landorus, I think, is last in, like, Dex order. Yeah. Well, because it's like the three horns. You know, Landorus has the three horns. I think... Oh. Oh, I think Tornadus has, is one horn. I just remember the memes of them, the non-Therian forms when they first came out, because it kind of looked like Landorus' thing kind of looked like big headphones, and there was like a meme of like Thunderous and Tornadus, like because they got their arms crossed and they're kind of like vibing with like the yeah. Gen Five animations. Yeah, and it was like them at like Bros at the club, and then there was DJ Landorus. <laughs> nice. um, it was some. If anyone has like that old fan art, good for you, because I long since lost my like little screenshot of it, but it was a meme. Thunderous. Thunderous does have one horn. Uh, and then Tornadus has two, and Landorus has three. Things I never discovered. 
and so that's it's the whole one two three thing so i'm i believe that uh thunderous is coming first with a very special electric type event uh that, that is happening that should be fun i've been saving my landris candy to power up a lando t i have no idea if it's going to be viable in gbl but i figure i might as well try well it's viable in every other thing it's ever been in so yeah that's that's my thinking i don't really know how that's going to translate into yeah. this but i want to at least try and then uh, in the trading cards uh battle styles is coming out next week i actually got my pre-release kit last one and i got no real exciting pulls but that's okay i've still got a couple more packs coming but they've already announced the next expansion which is chilling rain spelled r-e-i-g-n because this is when we're getting our, our horsies that's exciting yeah we're getting spooky horse and cold horse Spooky horse and cold horse. I think those would be some cool, cool looking cards. I'm excited actually, to see. I might have to. I might have to get a couple packs. Of that does. That does sound pretty sweet. I'm actually really curious how they're gonna, how if they're gonna do any special mechanic with like. Are pokey are pokey tools still a thing? You mean like item cards? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wasn't that like, yeah, yeah. What if they did like um? You have to have the justice reigns or whatever they're called. They did just put in Rusted Shield and Rusted Sword for Zacian Zamazenta. Yeah. But that would that could be a cool a cool thing to do. Basically, uh, it might be, maybe, maybe, it too much of a pain to use and no one would use it, so I, mean, I don't know how well that would balance. Well, what could be cool is if you had, like, let's say you had Calyrex, like, in the front, like, as you're active, and you gave it the reins and Spectre was on your bench, and the reins let you use Spectre on your bench's ability. That's kind of sweet. I dig that. Stuff like that. I don't know. We'll see what they do. But I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a cool one. And then also for the cards, they're doing another uh, team challenge, uh, which they did one earlier in the year. But basically, it's my understanding of the event is that l- local stores that hosted events are welcome to host one on the online game. And after everyone that normally plays, you get like a top four and then the stores make their own teams that those teams of four then go play other stores in a more formal tournament. And I think that's a really cool setup. Yeah, you told me about this. I thought this sounded awesome. I, I would actually really dig if they did this for the other, like pocket tournament or pocket tournament or, uh, or the VGC, just like, you know, teaming up with, with your local people. I think that's, I think that's a really cool format. That would be really cool. So the last bit, which is the big bit we are saving, uh, is we got that that Pokemon Direct. That was like a week and a half ago at this point. It was basically... yeah, that was just that long ago. It was basically, we recorded on Wednesday, and we were like, there's not a lot of Pokemon news. And then on Thursday, they were like, you're getting all the news tomorrow. And I was like, this happens every week. (laughs) We record the news two days before they decide to dump a whole bunch of news. It was pretty sweet, though. So Lucas had a whole episode on the Legends, so we won't go too much into that, but Don, are you excited for Legends? I am. I think it's going to be... I, I like the aesthetic. I like um, how it looks like graphically so far. I think it's going to be a really fun game. I have been one of those people calling for a open-world RPG for as long as I can remember that Lucas talked about, so I'm very excited to see how this works out. I'm also excited for a more... what appears to be a more lore-driven game, because... I always get a little disappointed by the legendaries just because I feel like there should be more in the games about them, you know? Yeah, instead of go get them, there they are. Like, or like just like a tablet here that you read that gives a quick little story. Like, I always wanted a little bit more, so I hope there's some more, you know, story and fleshing out of, of I guess, Arceus is going to be the big one because 
than the title. Yeah, I'm assuming he would be the main. Maybe we'll get some more of the creation trio. Yeah. Um, would be kind of cool. But the, the other bit that uh, Lucas did not talk about as much is we are officially getting the Diamond and Pearl remakes. Yes. What are your thoughts on the art, though? Doesn't bother me. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in the same camp. Like, I I don't really... I, I thought they could have gone the Sword and Shield direction with it, or I thought they maybe could have gone, like... I don't know. Part of me feels like it would be weird because it wasn't really that much then. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish they'd make... Maybe because I've just been playing... um a lot of Octopath Traveler and kind of Bravely Default, so I'm feeling nostalgic about things. But I kind of wanted them to make, like, a modern, but, like, pixel art Pokemon game. Yeah. Well, so how does it... So I never played... What was... The, the last release was Omega Ruby, right? For the 3DS? Yeah. Was that yeah. the last the last remake that was... Yeah, that was the last remake. So how does it... Obviously, you know, Switch to 3DS is its own thing, but in terms of, like, the remake... Like, was, the, was Omega Ruby... And Alpha Sapphire was that was the art style comparable to the initial release, or did they update and change? It? Um, I feel like it kind of. I mean, the original one was not 3D. Yeah. Um, but I feel like um, it seemed like a more direct translation. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just imagining this wrong because I guess you could have maybe made gone pretty like easily from Chibi mm-hmm. to uh. So I, I don't know. Honestly, I'm trying to think about. It. That's a tough thing to think about. I'm trying to think about it, but yeah. Well, I so Diamond and Pearl is actually the last game that I played before I stopped playing Pokemon for a while. I really don't have an issue with it. Obviously, like it is updated, it is you know it, everything's a little bit more. Yeah. I I'm cool with it. I don't have any issues with it. I'll play it for the nostalgia. It was actually I'm trying to get my buddy to buy a Switch because this was the last one that he played, and I'm like they're coming for you. Like they know this was this was special for you. Oh, they're they're gonna get him. I always like a little bit of a nostalgia kick. Uh, and refresh on on Diamond Pearl. I also really like Dialga. Dialga is one of my one of my faves. But all right, Don, we are through the news. Unless you have anything else to share? No, I'm good. All right. Well, let's get to the heart of the issue, which is the big giant city destroying lizard. Yes, big fan. Okay, Don, we are talking movies this time and i have to ask what's the first godzilla movie you saw um it was like an honestly it was an old one okay i'm trying to think of uh i think of the exact um which i mean it wasn't like i don't think it was the og og godzilla mm-hmm. it might have been the the first uh godzilla versus mothra godzilla with mothra there's like the twins or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That, i think that was the first one i was young Okay. I had no idea what the all I had like I had known that like I had liked the idea of Godzilla, mm-hmm. and I had no I could not follow I just had no idea what was going on but I liked Godzilla. Yeah. And then I watched the bad one that I thought was bad, um, where they had put a big pile of fish in the middle of New York City to get Godzilla. The 1996 one. Yeah. That is my first Godzilla experience. Uh, it is not not the best movie. Uh, or 98, sorry, it's 98 Godzilla. Starring, I believe, Matthew Broderick's in it? I think that sounds right. Yeah, and Hank Azaria. Wow, what a cast. Uh, but, to me, that movie got me into the Godzilla franchise, so it's important in that sense. But there is so much more to Godzilla besides that one not very good movie. Yes. Godzilla itself kind of sparked a, a new genre in film, Don, which is the kaiju uh, genre. 
Right. And kaiju, as an idea, had been around for uh, for centuries. The word itself translates into strange beast. And largely today, the term kaiju you hear is associated with the genre of film that involves large monsters wrecking utter destruction on cities, whether that is whether the cities are the target of their destruction or is just two giant monsters fighting do- and then collaterals. Yes. A la Godzilla versus King Kong. Yes. Uh, that's coming out, which I'm very excited for. I am too, but I think they're going to, I always, whenever they, they always do my boy, big G, they do him dirty though. Well, we'll, we'll get to our thoughts on the movies coming up, but okay. in, in, uh, in these films, the monsters can either be, uh, they've been good. They've been bad. They've been sort of unaligned forces of nature. They kind of can be whatever the film needs them to be. And if, you, uh, if you listeners recall back around October, Don and I talked about, uh, did a Halloween spooky episode about monsters where we talked about monster theory and the idea that, you know, monsters in films and stories standing in for some cultural anxiety or angst. And that has a direct application to the original Godzilla, which came out in 1954. Dang. So brief background on, on the, the, the making of Godzilla, which is regarded as the first kaiju film. Ironically, it's not the first to actually have the term kaiju in it. There's a movie, uh, an American movie called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, uh, which when it was released in Japan, the title actually translated with the word kaiju in it. Okay. But there was a producer at Toho Studios, Tomoyuki Tanaka, uh, who was looking to start a project after his the one he was working on was put on pause. And he was inspired by the success of these sort of large monster movies and how well they had done in Japan's box office. And specifically, uh, the two that really hit him were The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and the original King Kong. To me, that kind of is a little bit special. Like, we're getting this Godzilla vs. King Kong movie. They fought before, but they kind of have been tied together since Godzilla's inception. That link has been there for a long time. So in regards to what we were talking about with anxiety or fear, Godzilla itself can be traced to the hydrogen bomb testing that the United States was doing on Marsh on the Marshall Islands, as well as the fallout from the atom bomb that was detonated on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in World War II. One specific event that played into Tomoyuki Tanaka's thinking when coming up with the idea for Godzilla was a fish the story of a fishing vessel called Lucky Dragon Number no. Five. Okay. It was, a, it was a fishing ship that went out to do its job to fish, and they were close to the testing area for the H-bomb that the United States was doing. And they were outside the, the whatever range had been set around the islands. Like, they were not in waters they were not supposed to be. Right. But as testing giant bombs as happens, it did not adhere to the limits that they had set did not really apply to what happened with the actual bomb. And what I have seen from different stories and accountings from the sailors on the ship is they saw a uh, the explosion. Like, they saw the explosion off in the dint- distance, and it took, like, eight minutes for the sound of the explosion to actually get to them. Yeah. And, and then they just got blasted with a wave of ash and radioactive material uh, that was actually like a mix. It was called... Uh, they, it got the name Death Ash. Oh, that's not a good name of things to get got by. Well, it was like a mix of pieces of coral and radioactive material. And it just like completely enveloped the ship and enveloped the sailors. And it was just... An, a, it was a complete and utter disaster. All the sailors, you know, throughout... 
the coming weeks uh, would suffer radiation poisoning. Um, some would die. It was a huge international crisis. And it sparked a very large anti-nuclear weapon movement, particularly in Japan. And I, I, like the fallout of this is that the United States actually paid Japan, I think, like $2 million. And then each sailor got what was, I think, the equivalent in modern day money of like $60,000 or something is what I was seeing. That's uh, very much. Yeah, in the, in the scheme of what happened, it doesn't seem like very much. I feel like that should be more. But you can see how that plays into the story of Godzilla because, uh, well, the monster itself has its natural habitat, as they say in the film, disturbed by H-bomb testing. Uh, in the movie, they were testing the explosions underwater, and uh, and the explosions encroached on Godzilla's territory and royally pissed him off. I, I would also be upset. Yeah, and so he came out and started wrecking havoc and destroying things. And so I'm not going to get into the plot of the movie and how everything goes, but the idea of inventions being used for nefarious reasons. There's a scientist in the film who is building what is called the Oxygen Destroyer. Yes. Uh, which is ultimately used to kill Godzilla. They brought that back in um, the most recent one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a It's a, it's a reoccurring. Part. Yeah. Yeah. But the... In the film, the oxygen destroyer is kind of, you think of like escalation, it's sort of that next step in warfare. And the scientist is actually very hesitant to share his research because he doesn't want it to be weaponized. Right. Uh, but ultimately, he chooses to let it because Godzilla is such a threat to Japan. And so they go and they use it, but the scientist actually takes his own life so that no one can force him to use his research uh, in, in a in a bad way okay he dies ultimately with godzilla and then at the end one of the leads outright says that if nuclear testing is allowed to continue there will inevitably inevitably be another godzilla and obviously it's true because the original godzilla died but we have 36 more movies worth of godzilla and aren't we happy for that very important movie in terms of you know effects in terms of cultural impact I highly recommend that people go out and watch it. I personally think the movie itself still holds up. I'd watched it probably like a couple weeks ago in preparation for this. Uh, I was saying, um, I actually realized I, ha I have seen the original Godzilla. I watched it once a couple years ago. Um, but the first time I saw it, I was also pretty young. And I remember like, oh, Godzilla, it's neat. Um, and for some reason, my grandpa had, a, it, I had it on tape without subtitles. Oh, so it was, did you understand any of it? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, but I watched it because Big Monster. Yeah. But yeah I, the, so the first time I watched it, the nuance and all that was very much lost on me. I was very confused. Yeah. But it's high. It, I would definitely recommend watching it. All right. Well, that's your kind of fast and quick breakdown of Godzilla. Let's get into the Pokemon. So kicking off this whole shebang, we have the the king himself. Tyranitar. Don, you like Tyranitar, don't you? I absolutely love Tyranitar. I remember being a young lad and I had like the Pokemon Pokedex book and I didn't know what level it was. There was no way to find out back then. I knew that Pupitar would one day be a Tyranitar. <laughs> and if you've played original Gold and Silver, you know how that level grind stops and everyone in the entire game is like level 45. And it, it was miserable, but I did it and it was awesome. And I just, I've always loved Tyranitar. Well, Tyranitar, Larvitar, Pupitar all have lots of biological 
ties that we can let Lucas and, and others get into, but we're talking directly with Godzilla and Kaiju. And I don't think there can be much debate on the inspiration for Tyranitar purely off of how it looks, which is giant green with, with spines and a tail and green. Like this, this is just Godzilla, right? There's no, you have no qualms making that. Yeah, there's no other. Yeah. So if you look at the decks, uh, Tyranitar is basically an agent of destruction. It talks about how it knocks down mountains, it buries rivers, and how it can reshape maps. Uh, just like a casual Earth Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, um, I mean, there's plenty of wild po- den- Pokédex entries out there, but Tyranitar is just so, like, blatant. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tyranitar got mad. We gotta fix the map. Yeah. And, and just that level of destruction that they talk about uh, Tyranitar having really makes me like it likens back to that city leveling destruction of a Godzilla film whenever it comes out of Tokyo Bay. Yes. But one interesting bit of appearance uh, between Godzilla and Tyranitar is their their bipedal nature. They both walk upright. Uh, Godzilla walks upright for a very specific reason, which is back then when you think of the giant monster movies, the go-to method for animating them was stop motion animation. The problem that T- Toho Studio had was with the size of their production company, animate uh, stop motion animating Godzilla would take about seven years by their estimates. So they went to the next thing, which is called suitmation, aka man in a suit, aka the monster walks on two legs because we do. And basically, they just created a giant latex suit that just sounded absolutely miserable to be inside. Dog. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there were there were two actors uh, who would wear the suit. One actually could not do very much work at all because of how physical the the job was. The other one could not be in the suit for more than three minutes before passing out and lost twenty pounds during filming. Hmm. There's a diet option, I guess. I that's there are other ways to diet. I'm not <laughs> recommending that everyone. I'm, I officially um, would like to legally say that I am not recommending that as an option. But they would basically get this person in a suit and they built a miniature set of the city and they would, you know, rig things up with explosives and use a lot of other, uh, you know, film techniques like matting. But that if you look at all the the kaiju from the Godzilla movies and obviously things have changed once we get into like CGI and we're not reliant on a person in a suit to bring these creatures to life. But if you look at a lot of the early films, a lot of those creatures were bipedal because it was suitmation it was man in suit uh, and so you know over time cgi's come in we've gotten a lot you know a lot of different renderings of a lot of our other creatures and so the deck says that tyranitar because it takes so little damage is always wandering around looking for opponents to fight which brings us to the rest of the motley crew because what is godzilla without the other kaiju that he fights don uh, he's just he's not the same that's the whole reason we need godzilla He's just a lizard. And I do like him still and respect him. But Getting into the other characters, we're going to start with the newest entry into the Pokedex on this episode, which would be the big giant metal dragon Duraludon. And Duraludon obviously has ties to skyscrapers and buildings. Like that's all in the decks. It's in its Gigantamax form. It's a skyscraper. But if you were... Recall the the pre-release info, Doc. Yeah, so it helps Tyranitar is like mortal enemy. Yes, so it said that it lives in the mountains and it's often it shares a habitat and it's often seen battling Tyranitar. 
So there's this built-in rivalry between the two. And if you look at Duraludon, it's walking on two legs, so it's bipedal, and it's metal. And I argue similar to Tyranitar in appearance and size. I think so. Um, it's if isn't it isn't it like weirdly light or something though? It's yes. So um, my my connection with the Godzilla movies here is I believe we're getting into Mecha Godzilla territory. Absolutely, that was the first thing I thought when I saw the whole like Tyranitar's rival. Yes. So you know, big metal Titar. Mecha Godzilla is big metal Godzilla. Like that's that's not that's not that's not a big jump. But Mecha Godzilla has a couple different origins. Some is that it comes from space. Others are that it's man-made. What you're getting to, Don, is is the material it's made of. And Mecha Godzilla, uh, from what I recall, is said to have been constructed from space titanium. Uh, which I don't really know much. <laughs> I don't know how it's different than normal titanium. It sounds really cool. The fact that they are differentiating it as space titanium to me means that there is something different and unique about it. And so Duraludon's metal in the decks is that it is extremely light, but also very durable. Uh, and what is Duraludon's uh, speed tier? Like, how fast is it? Relatively faster than you think. Um, I want to say it's 85. 85. Okay, yes, I was right. Okay, and what 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 else is around that speed? Off the top of your head, if you know, Venusaur. Okay, so so pretty speedy, especially when you think of most steel types are not fast. Yeah, yeah. For a steel type, um, it's one of the fastest. Um, I think really fast. I mean, there's what's faster? Solgaleo is faster. Yeah. Um, Cartana is, I believe, the fastest. Yeah. Um, it's up there for steel types. Are not. But like, but like, those are all legendaries. Like, this is. Yeah, yeah so um, like, the only other one around, I think Excadrill might be around there. And Excadrill, but most steel types are slow. 88. Okay, Excadrill's pretty quick, too. I thought yeah. it was. So, I mean, it, but it's like, it's right up there with Excadrill. So, very speedy, very fast. Alolan Trio is, is 110. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that's actually stupid fast. I just really want to know more about the space titanium, Doc. I know. It's it's one of those things that... I, I need to know. I need to know. But... Be getting back to the kind of special nature of Duraludon's steel, it's also the only steel, or I mean, it's the only Pokemon, but it's also the only steel Pokemon that has both light and heavy metal abilities. How about that? And both of them are worse than its other ability. <laughs> yeah, and no one uses it because everyone just wants Stalwart. Because Stalwart's great. Yeah. But good for it for having the weight control options. It's just a giant, giant Clefairy killer. Yeah. I'm also like for the the whole rivalry with with Titar, I Duraludon would just kicks Titar's butt. Does it? Does I mean it's it's faster than it and it's steel. Yeah, but Titar it's dummy thick, and it has weakness policy almost always. I mean, not right now. But you don't see any of them. I'm pretty. Sh- I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think it can go either way. I think it depends on who's going first, what items we're running. Well, that's where the speed comes in. All right, yeah. all right. We'll have to have Titar versus Duraludon fan film. Uh, Titar wins in my heart. So, uh, moving on to the next one. So, this is an interesting one, Don. But we're going to talk uh, Hydreigon. Oh, yeah. Another one that I really like. <laughs> These are all really good mods. This is just a really good episode for mods. Yeah. Who does Hydreigon remind you of? King Ghidorah. Yes. Now, I'm... Pretty sure Hydreigon is not actually based on Ghidorah. I'm willing to bet 
absolutely that same thing. But they are both based on, or they are both drawing inspiration from the same thing, which is a piece of mythology called the Yamata no Orochi, which was an eight-headed, eight-tailed, red-eyed dragon that was slain by Susanoo. Um, obviously, eight heads. Hydragon only has three, but big red eyes. Uh, Orochi was often the villain. Hydragon is dark type. Uh, so, you know, real shifty and evil. Yeah, doesn't dark type in Japan translate to just, like, evil? Yes, yes. Now, I don't, I can't, I was not able to find a reason why Hydreigon only has three heads, but I did, I do know that Ghidorah only has three heads because they thought eight was excessive, which I agree with, especially when you think about, you know, manipulating and animating all of those heads, eight is too much. Maybe that's the same reason with Hydreigon. And three, three is the magic number. You know? Yes. Now, I you could also make cases that both of them do also take uh, inspiration from, you know, learning in Hydra, uh, from Greek mythology. The The idea of many-headed dragons or serpents kind of spans a lot of different mythologies. Yeah. I feel pretty confident making this connection to the to the Orochi it, for both Ghidorah and Hydreigon. Also, I think Hydreigon kind of... No, it loses the T-Tar. It loses bad. <laughs> I mean, it hits it with earth power, earth power and stuff, but it just procs the weakness policy, and then T-Tar does T-Tar stuff. Yeah, T-Tar just gets T-Tar stupid. We said this episode was about, was inspired by Godzilla vs. Kong. Unfortunately, we don't have a King Kong Pokemon yet. Yet. <laughs> but we do have Drillaboom. So, you know, talking about King Kong, King Kong obviously first, the movie came out in, I think it was 1930, was the original King Kong. Absolute classic film, brilliant animation. There have been some not great King Kong movies that have come out since then. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Peter Jackson. Oh, uh, yeah. But I personally love uh, Skull Island that came out not too long ago. I enjoyed Skull Island and John C. Riley in it. And John C. Riley. And isn't Jack Black in it too? No, that's the Peter Jackson one. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah. That was, yeah, that's right. Because at first I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a comedy or not because Jack yeah. Black was in it. Yeah. So, Rillaboom is not King Kong, but both gorillas. So, on that note, Don, I think we've 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 kind of jammed a lot in here, so let's move on to the wrap up. Yeah, let's go for it. There's like I feel like the do stick this classic Godzilla sound effect in a lot of stuff. Well, so, okay, so I'm going to ask you, how do you think in the 1954 movie, what's the noise? I've I've read the the thing on this before and I do not remember. I remember it's like it's, I've read the like the bit of trivia in the past. Yeah. Well, so they they tried to do animals, right? Like that's the first go to animal. Was it, a, was it a mix of animals or they did something totally different? It, they scrapped it. They scrapped the animals and uh, it ended up being, I think it was a contrabass, but basically they took a glove and I think dipped a leather glove. I believe they dipped it in pine tar. And just like ran it along the strings. Interesting. That I, I can almost hear that. And so they've they have updated the sound a little bit, but by and large the sound has remained true to that initial iteration. Yeah, resin coated leather glove glove over the loosened strings of a double bass. There you go. Well, on that note, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed this little dive into into film history. Um we love talking about this stuff. Uh, you know, dip into a little bit of culture and, and br- break up some of the science stuff. Uh, if you are old enough, 
I hope you enjoy and, and like these movies. I hope that you enjoy the Godzilla versus Kong movie that uh, that will be coming out at the end of the month. I figured Don and I probably will enjoy it. Oh, I will enjoy it. Uh, real quick, who do you think is going to win? So here's my hot take because it's been backed up by every other team up movie in the world. Um, they're going to start to fight. King Kong's going to pull ahead because they gave him that axe thing, even though he shouldn't because God's like, I feel like they're going to nerf Godzilla's atomic breath into the ground. Like he's going to hit, he's going to hit Kong with it. And Kong's going to like stagger, even though in the last movie he was like cutting things in half with it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's whatever. Um, so they're going to do that. Kong will fight Godzilla for a while. Um, and then we'll get to a point where Mecha Godzilla is going to roll out. I think probably the, also the spoilers for the previous Godzilla movie, by the way, everybody. Um, here's my, so I think, the, the who's it monarch right yeah i think monarch's gonna find some gitter a bit left over mm-hmm. and they're gonna make mecha godzilla in the background for like half the movie and it's gonna bust loose as godzilla and kong are fighting and then they're gonna tag team well that was the uh that was the easter egg at the at the end of king of monsters is right they found yeah they got they actually had it yeah that's right yeah. so yeah, i think they're gonna make a mecha godzilla sort of deal and then, um, I think they're going to team up. I do think we are going to see Mechagodzilla. I will say, though, I did see the director went on record that he did not want this to be a standard uh, versus movie and that there would be a definitive winner. All right. Well, I think Godzilla honestly just... King Kong lost to biplanes, man. <laughs> not this not this Kong. Yeah, but Kong's parents, who were bigger than him, got killed by those little lizard things, and he beat those with an anchor. So, like, just to scale... Godzilla's got to have a couple hundred feet on him, I feel. Well, well, so I know they made him bigger. Well, because because Skull Island took place in like the sep or the sixties, I think. Right. So and now we're present day. So he's had like fifty years to to grow into himself a little bit. Yeah, but Godzilla's had all of the years. <laughs> I'm pulling for Kong, but we'll see. Godzilla's just so cool to me. I always root for the lizard. You do you do like a good lizard? I bet Lucas is pulling for Godzilla too. I think he is. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, we've been getting lots of reviews coming in that we love seeing them and, and hearing what you all think. I'd ask that if you are, are willing and able to, uh, if you could uh, leave a review for us uh, and maybe talk to us about some ideas for episodes that you'd like us to cover or want to talk about some episodes that you've enjoyed listening to and telling us what you've liked. Reviews really help us in working with the algorithms and and making sure that our show pops up and stays fresh. And so we really appreciate your time to to fill those out. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, guys, we really like reviews. Really do they mean a lot, good or bad? Hopefully, good. And um, the idea we've had some great shows from ideas that people have put in their reviews. So mm-hmm. really, don't hesitate to do that. So on that note, take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Have, have a good one.